0: Sing this song for the healing of
1: the world. Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsme, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action.
0: This is Spirit in Action. I'm Andrew Jansen. Mark Helpsmead is off this week. Today on Spirit in Action, we have our third visit from guest host Patricia Stansbury on the air at WRIR, Richmond Independent Radio, sometimes known as Sunny Gardner. Patricia hosts two programs, Lightly on the Ground and Groundswell, and today we get to hear her latest Groundswell program as she interviews Kara Brewer-Boyd of Let's Get Growing Farm in Boydton, Virginia, about the challenges farmers of color face. This program has been edited for time. And now, Patricia Stansbury.
2: In late June, I visited Kara Brewer Boyd, who showed me what it means to be in agriculture in these times from the soil up. The purpose of our visit was to talk about discrimination against black farmers and other farmers of color. She explains the disparities in treatment by banks and federal agencies clearly and factually and states it without rancor. Our conversation spanned a generous couple of hours. It was recorded in a pole shed with a tin roof and a red pickup truck on Let's Get Growing Farm in Boydton, Virginia, and produced at Epic Gardens in Bonnier, Virginia. There's more to come. Visit LOTG Radio on Facebook for all Sunny Garden Productions, including these. Thank you for listening. What a story.
3: <laughs> it, You know, it, it really is, and I think that it's going to be ongoing uh, because these white farmers have filed cases in Wisconsin, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, and uh, Wyoming. Well, hopefully the judges will see that they're... Well, they, they have intentionally filed. Only one <coughs> of them is, is a Democrat uh, judge. All of the rest of them are very conservative Republicans, mm-hmm. um, judgeships. And so that's where we're, you know, seeing the the greatest challenge here um, is that this has been very strategic um, in their doing. And um, I, I hope that America can come together and have this conversation and say that in helping one group of people, it's not harming another when there's been such horrific discrimination and inequities and inequalities um, against these people. Uh, You know, they've been damaged for decades. So how is it that we begin to, you know, address and, and bring some healing? I would like to see that.
2: Yeah, The legacy piece. If after World War II you were not allowed to buy a house because of the color of your skin, you couldn't get a loan under the GI Bill, how that has affected generations to come and how this point where this Farm money is not being passed on. How will that affect the next generation? And I'm also seeing a, more, and a, a pretty close-in-time effect on our agricultural commodity system. It looks to me like we might be, have a shortage of food if we don't fund these farmers.
3: Oh, there's definitely going to be a shortage. And the thing is, you know, farmers have to pay their bills. And oftentimes with agricultural lending, it's it's so much of a horse of a different color. And we're typically when people go to buy a house, you know, there are banking products where they can get uh, 3% down. They do 97% loan to value. That's not the case with farms and agriculture lending. Usually the, the product is uh, 60 or 70% loan to value. Or when a farmer goes to USDA and they do get an FSA loan, you know, it's collateral lending. And so, you know, those things are tied to that. So if the farmer forecloses or loses, uh, they're losing their home. They're losing their equipment, their livelihood, their job. I mean, and and their legacy. And it's very hard. And a lot of times it's their pride and it's their identity. Can you imagine if you are farming on your family's farm that's been in your family for 100 years? Or let's just say 20, 30 years, right? Or you just bought it and you plan to, you know, pass it on to your children, but now all of a sudden you're in foreclosure and you're displaced, you went into a bankruptcy, you know, and now you've got to pack up everything and leave, but everything you own is was tied to that loan, it's hard, and that's why we've seen an increase in uh, farmer suicide, it's very devastating uh, to think, I mean, I, I have a farmer right now who is a disabled Vietnam vet and he is in foreclosure, and they were garnishing his Social Security and his wife's, and his wife has now passed. You can't make that hole. You can't fix that, you know, and to come to find out FSA doesn't even have a lien against this property at the county courthouse. So why is it that this disabled Vietnam veteran hasn't been able to get a debt write down or some type of modification that you're actually threatening uh, to take his farm, you know, in garnishing his Social Security. These are the inequities, and, you know, for those farmers who have been fortunate enough to have those loans at FSA or those uh, guaranteed loans, to be able to get this type of relief right now, you know, provides them to be able to invest in more equipment and, you know, fuel is up. There's a surcharge on everything. And, you know, farmers just can't keep going because farmers are price takers, not price makers. When a farmer has a commodity and he goes, you know, the markets tell them how much they're going to pay him. The farmer doesn't tell unless he's doing, you know, direct sales how much he wants for his product. So, you know, it's it's a very um, disadvantaged industry, uh, and more so for farmers of color.
2: Every time I turn around, I see more, and I see how pervasive this issue is. I really appreciate your time, Kara. And well, I'm sorry that you're going through this, but I know I, I you have such a grasp of what's happening. I would hate to be doing this in, in a vague place where I didn't know these moving parts that you're at.
3: Right. And that's why it's been very important for us to have um, legal representation and to file the amicus briefs and to be on the record um, to weigh in so that the judges can see, you know, what the context is of this bill and to know the impact and the ramifications that it will have if these farmers aren't able to get this relief or if this is actually deemed unconstitutional Because of race. And the fact is that, you know, racism is a problem. And if you look at the historical context and the proponents of racism in this situation, you know, addressing past racism by providing services to a group of people who were discriminated against is not racist. No. And that is the argument here. Right. Which is what America is about. America is about, you know, giving that hand up and you know helping to provide uh, resources for those farmers and in the one billion dollars that's there it's internships it's scholarships it's training it's grants to those farmers hopefully to get some equipment and most people don't know you know John Deere is a bank it's one of the fifth largest bank yeah (laughs) and you know here it is you know a a combine is 1.2 million dollars a tractor is over a hundred thousand dollars and then they finance it as well Right. And so then you've got all this that, you know, comes and it's just, okay, I, a farmer has to buy a tractor. And so when people look at it, say, well, those farmers got money in the past, they've had settlements, they got $50,000. Well, $50,000 won't even buy you a new tractor. Uh-uh. And then once you get the tractor, then you've got to buy implements, then you've got to buy fuel, and then you've got to buy seeds, You know, it cost, and I tell you, Monsanto and uh, Bear now that owns Monsanto with these uh, GMO seeds and, you know, this advanced technology, when a conventional um, bag of seeds used to cost $8, now I'm paying $62 for a bag of seeds.
2: And is that what I'm looking at over here? That's
3: a pallet of soybean seeds. And I can't regrow those. My soybeans that are out here growing now, before I could harvest my soybeans and I would be able to keep soybeans over for the next two or three years they would have germination germination, and I could plant them oh no
2: you you bought terminated seeds I, I bought these seeds how how what what I'm I'm shocked are you is there no choice there's no choice because it's licensed they will sue me well, yeah, Monsanto but, and mean,
3: Bear is the only company that sues their own customers. Oh, I know. I mean, that's... So these beans... Out I do. thought that
2: was like over.
3: Oh, no, no, no. I'm growing soybeans oh, and we're Christ. under a license agreement. So I'm going to grow these soybeans and the only thing I can do with these soybeans is sell them or destroy them. I can't replant them. So you can't save seeds, just like, you know, fix cane, Right. Uh, and, and we do seed saving and we have seed banks. We can't do that now because Bear has patented or Monsanto patented the soybean seed.
2: Right. So what else could you do? I mean, you're... Well, they bought out all the local seed companies. I know, and they've been <laughs> doing that for years. Yeah. And, so, and so that's the thing. There's, see- there's
3: nowhere to get, a, com- you know, trying to find... And a local farmer uh, isn't going to travel more than a, you know, 40, 50-mile radius from their home to buy farm supplies and materials. Right. And so, you know, where am I going to get a conventional seed? So we have to buy these seeds and plant them. And then, you know, we're just in the never ending cycle where the farmer is getting the short end of the stick. And, you know, I challenge your listeners to look at the world of agriculture and how farmers are treated as third class citizens, I guess, because they thought they were low literacy. You know, they just tend to be the scapegoat or, you know, they're really taken advantage of and through this process of discovering that John Boyd's liens were never released against his his farm, even though he had a settlement agreement. If John Boyd had died and I was his widow, I would have been in trouble because there was no way I could have proved that those loans had been satisfied or were to be removed. But luckily, you know, we had that piece of paper, so we were able to get that. But, you know, it's just a challenge. when we bought this farm and then uh, we went to buy another piece of property and the Lender came back and said, well, you know, after you went to closing on May 26th, the lender that financed that farm for you went to the county courthouse and filed a UCC filing that they have rights to your timber now, to any timber that you own now or in the future. I said, what? And they said, yeah. So this farm that we were going to buy had some timber on it. So that lender wanted to go to the lender on this property and get a first right. And I said, well, Why would they have to give you a first right when they're not putting any money on that property? But it was because of that UCC filing. But you see, because we went out to do something, that's how we discovered it. TILA, Truth in Lending Act, does not apply to agriculture. They're exempt. So I went to this lending company and I'm like, you know, you can't do that because of TILA. You can't go and file, you know, things uh, against our financial statements against our farm after we went to closing. Everything should have been, you know, provided at closing. And you have to let us know before you go and do these things. He says, oh, no, agriculture is exempt. So, I mean, how many of these farmers are, are losing land and equipment and bankruptcy and all these things, you know, but the legal system protects those corporations. They protect those banks. You know, John Deere would take and finance uh, a combine, and then they would go file a UCC filing. This is what the lender told me, uh, and I guess that's hearsay in a court of law.
0: <laughs> but,
3: you know, he says, I, you know, giving me an example, he said, you go and you buy that uh, combine from John Deere, and they finance the combine, but then they go file the UCC filing on your equipment, and they didn't specify what piece of equipment. So if you... Uh, defaulted or failed to pay them for that equipment they could come out there and take all your equipment because it didn't specify it was just that combine Mm -hmm. that's what they've been doing to farmers for decades this system is very very bad and when we talk about farmers you know losing land losing equipment losing contracts you know um it's a wonder it's no wonder why our children uh, or the children of farmers aren't very interested and eager knocking down the doors, you know, to follow in our footsteps because they see all my gray hair, <laughs> you know, and they, they see us out here, you know, battling, going to Congress and, you know, fighting for these things that, you know, you would think would be common sense and commonplace protections, you know, for the people that are out there, um, you know, growing food and trying to provide for their families in an honest way.
2: Nothing can replace it. Thank you, Cara Brewer-Boyd. My head is full.
3: (sighs) Yes, and and I hope not only will we, yes, you know, fill our heads with this knowledge and information, but also that our hearts, um, you know, will begin to see that uh, love, the answer is always love. You know, the answer and the key, the solution here is love. You know, and if we will love each other, we will love the land and, you know, take care of the land and each other, you know, these issues, you know, will become secondary and they'll eventually go away. Uh, But it's the hate. It's the anger um, that really is driving this. And I'm hoping that...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, John Boyd. (laughs) He's headed back to the field. All right. You so, know. a tractor is $100,000. Well, a tractor is over 100000 And then, you know, you got two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, right. four wheels. I mean,
3: it's, yeah, you can get on up in the money, you know, with each GPS and, you
2: know, all the right. other bells and the whistles. Air conditioning.
3: Yes. Um, and you know, a tire on a tractor can cost two to $3,000.
2: I believe it. One
3: tire. And you're like, oh, my goodness, you know, maintenance, upkeep, repairs. And that's why there was a lot of talk about the uh, right to repair, uh, the Farmer's Bill of Rights. The right to repair.
2: Okay, so they want the repair contract, too.
3: Well, what it is is John Deere will not release a uh, diagram, the manuals for the equipment for the tractors. Oh, dear. And they've got alarms on there that if the alarm goes off, only the John Deere technician can come out and turn it off. Yeah. So it's kind of like a kill switch. Right. And so the farmer said, well, you know, if my equipment is no longer under warranty, I should be able to repair it because I own it. And John Deere said, no, it's almost like a Mercedes.
2: I don't know how that is.
3: Uh, A Mercedes, you can't check the oil in it. You can't? No. (laughs) A Mercedes engine doesn't have a dipstick have to go into the dealership and let them check it with their special tools so it's kind of like that with John Deere when you have certain high quality high-end items yeah and they want the service contract money so not only do they charge you mega dollars for their product but they also charge you for their repair and service and you really can't go out and get other people to do it so it becomes like a monopoly Got John Deere, you know, who manufactures the equipment, services the equipment, finances the equipment. You know, you're just all in. Huh? And so then John Deere gave a million dollars to the Federation of Southern Cooperatives to address Harris' property. And what I thought was unique is when they did the press release it didn't say, you know, here's how you can get more information, this is how you can enroll, these are the benefits we're going to provide it said for more information contact public relations at John Deere and uh, for the Federation of Southern It said uh, contact media relations. It didn't say you know, contact this program coordinator, you know, here's an application these are the program deadlines another other things stunts because John Boyd and the National Black Farmers farmers called for a boycott. So it's like, you know, we really wanna see some change for farmers. And what happened with this road, Highway seven eleven, it was Hartage Road uh-huh. and it actually went across Interstate eighty five. Well before Interstate eighty five was here. Right. And so what happens now is that there is no on and off exit. The only exit we have is up at Bracey. So you either have to come off in North Carolina, exit 233, to get to our farm, or you have to go up to exit number four and come around that way. So it's a real challenge for EMS to try to find you and locate you, uh, for people on this side of the lake, on the the Virginia side. So right across that tree line right there is uh, Interstate 85.
2: Well, I'm glad there's a nice tree line there.
3: Yes, and there's a fence, and this goes uh, along here. So we bought this piece; it was cut-over timber, and we're actually going to uh,
2: plant this, put a put a row crop in. That's pretty spectacular. Yeah,
3: yeah, it is, and um, that you know, it, it shows the progression. It shows, you know what it takes to open these fields up to get a field ready when you have raw land what was this field before it was it was timber oh okay yeah it was timber just like that right down there and then they harvested the timber and they left it in a terrible way so so did you all have the timber harvest no okay this was before Uh, you bought it a forester had it yeah a, a land gentleman had it and so it was cut over timber so we bought the tract to adjoin the other 886 acres that we bought Uh and see if we had gotten financing on this then we might have learned about the other timber fouling but because we didn't you know then we didn't know but we don't have much timber on here anyway do you own this equipment as well no this is a local um construction company uh-huh. John had them come in and finish it off uh-huh. because this is how the timber company left it yeah this you know cut over overgrowth and uh-huh. uh, so we had It's do when you buy cut over timber cut over land uh-huh. it's almost like paying for it twice yeah so you pay for you pay one price for it and then you have to pay to have it cleaned up or you know the site prepped So I came down here to show you a little bit of the operation so that you know. Um, so I'm going to show you the, the tractor and the seeder that we plant the soybeans with and then, um, we harvest them with the combine Uh and they come into the back of this grain truck. Uh Okay. And we take this grain truck all the way to Petersburg to sell at the silo. So that's a lot of back and forth.
2: That's one truck.
3: One, one truck. That's, I mean, that's the resource. That's what black farmers are working with. Okay. So we were fortunate enough, uh, last year to get this. This is a, um, a hopper bottom trailer. So oh, now, nice. so now we upgraded from the one, uh, ton grain truck right. to this. So we can put about three loads, about three or four loads of what we were doing on the other small grain truck. So that's three or four here. tons. Right.
2: And then you drive over something, and you open up the
3: bottom. Right, on the bottom. Yeah, when we get yeah. to the grain elevator, they open up the bottoms, and it falls through.
2: And on the one-ton truck, is that
3: a dump truck? It's a dump truck. Oh, good. Yeah, so okay. it, we lift lift the back of it. It has the red little shoots on the
2: back of it. I could use that. <laughs> what is that cute thing? <laughs> this is the bulldozer. It's a little tiny bulldozer. Yeah, like yeah a, with
3: the blade to kind of yeah. le- level something something. Put a road in. We usually use that when we're putting roads in. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, you got raw land. How do you open it up? And, right. you know, if, if a farmer, if a, if, if a person wanted to go out and buy a turnkey farm operation, you know, you're looking at 10, 15, 20,000 an acre, uh-huh. you know, for some finished farms. And, and, and that's usually small scale. And the larger the farm, but then you would need equipment. So everything costs.
2: Right. And land within many miles of cities. Well, counties within hundreds of miles of cities, the property has gone up so high, people have been, people will try to buy a farm and be outbid by someone who wants to develop it. Absolutely, absolutely. And
3: see, and during the Trump administration, Sonny Perdue, um, who was the Secretary of Agriculture, said, you either it's going to get bigger, you're going to go home. And that's the challenge with farmers because they need more land to be able to produce more uh, produce. Unless we start increasing the yields and integrating and growing up instead of out. And so, you know, those are the things that we're trying to work on here to develop those best practices and figuring out a way, you know, when we have equipment, how do we trade that off to other new and beginning small-scale farmers? Like, we will give combines uh, to some of our black farmers. Uh, they'll come and they'll borrow our equipment, you okay. know, so that they can get things done on their farms. Right. Yeah, because the equipment is not in use all the time. Absolutely right, and and the hard part about that uh, is that we have a very short window to plant. So you always have everybody trying to do it at the same time. So sometimes using it um, can be a challenge. Charity can be a challenge. Right.
2: So what do y'all grow besides soybeans? Uh, oh, You have the vegetables. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Weeks. I'm sorry. I was done even. I was. I saw it out of the corner of my eye and thought it was. Soil, yep. but yes, yep. that is pretty so close is our, to harvest. Yes, beautiful color. To, to harvest that and um, get, a, get a nice
0: picture of that. Right I'm going to break in for a moment to remind our listeners that this is Spirit in Action, a Northern Spirit Radio production. On the web at northernspiritradio.org. On our site, you'll find our programs from the past 16 years. We invite you to come and leave a comment on this program. We love two-way communication. There's also a donate button. That's how this full time work is funded, not by government, not by corporations, but by listeners. But first, remember to support your local community radio stations like WRIR in Richmond or WHYS in Eau Claire, which provide access to news and music you'll find nowhere else on the airwaves. And now back to Patricia Stansbury and Kara Brewer Boyd.
2: It is such a nice color, isn't it?
3: Yeah. Yeah, so you have a a grain header. A grain header? Yeah, that goes on the combine. So that's the thing is you got this combine, that harvest, a harvester, and oh, then you yeah. have to buy different heads. Right. One to do corn, one to do your grain, and I mean, yeah. There's a lot to learn, and I'm still learning. <laughs> so were you a farmer before you met up with John Boyd? I was, uh, and also helping uh, black farmers all across the country um, with these types of uh, advocacy issues and technical assistance. So I was working with other black farm groups and I didn't know John Boyd had never met him. And what you see also on the side of the fields is hay. So we uh, grow hay as well for for our cattle because we have a cow-calf
2: operation. So we try to be as sustainable as possible. Well, you're as diverse as possible. I think you've named yes. everything I know. <laughs> yes. Oh, I haven't heard chickens. Yes. Do you yeah, have? Any- I've got some chickens. Ah, I got, uh, got five chicken. turkeys here at this farm. Yeah.
3: And and the thing with the regenerative agriculture and now bringing in going back to some of the more traditional indigenous ways, you know, integrating the animals into the farm so that way they can graze down and their saliva and manure you know, will be natural fertilizers, and getting them to do the compaction as opposed to doing the tilling, so then we're, you know, able to continue capturing carbon instead of releasing it.
2: I love the way you effortlessly weave agriculture and science and politics and <laughs> history into this, oh, we're just driving along chatting, looking at the fields.
3: You know, and, and, and that's, that's the, the thing. thing, a big and understanding when, of it. We we live this, we eat, drink, and sleep it, John and I, and um, that's why I guess we're such a good team. You know, we call it Team Boyd, and you know, a farmer has to be all these things. They're a soil scientist, um, they're a chemist, they are a meteorologist, uh, you know, they're a mechanic. I mean, we're we're repairing, but we're doing all these things. Um, And at the same time, you know, you're salesmen, you're marketing, you're, you know, policymakers, um, because things that are enacted in law impact you and so we've learned that you know hey if you're not at the table you know you're on the table you're on the menu you know so we we try to be Say that again. to show up that if you're not at the table you're on the menu okay yeah so we try we try to be there so you know john's doing interviews out of the tractor you know and we're very fortunate we're about three hours outside of dc so there are times when something's happening and we'll just drop everything and, and head to washington you know this is just too important So that has been part of the challenge, uh, creating that balance. And so this right here, this is a 32 foot um, planter. So this is what we used to plant our grain and our soybeans with. And where's the 32 foot part? It it opens. Oh, so it's 32 feet wide. Right, right. It's two halves. It's folded. Gotcha. So when it unfolds, we're able to make, you know, two and three swipes, right? as opposed to one of the smaller planters up here, this eight-foot planter. So you're thinking everything is time, time time-sensitive and labor, right? But this small planter here, you see, can make one swipe where that bigger planter can make three or four in the same amount of time, right? But the size of tractor you need to pull that planter is very small compared to the size of the tractor, the horsepower you've got right. to pull the bigger one. Therefore, more money, more horsepower, more money. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, um, Wendell Berry wrote, I believe pe- well, he's written a lot about it, but one of the pieces he wrote, was he started out talking about the potatoes in the Andes, uh-huh. and how all the people had their own potatoes, and right. they would grow them in there on these little ledges, My- and very... Specific and different, right. and so uh, so a blight would never knock all of them out. Right.
3: And so, uh, just
2: just a point of reference, please. This here
3: tractor, this
2: John Deere e, uh-huh. fifty one hundred E, fifty thousand
3: dollars. It doesn't even have a cab. I see. It Has no
2: air conditioning. Just 50, just 000. the wind. I bet it doesn't have stereo. Nope. Cup holder. Nope. No cup holder. Nope. Okay. Wow. Fifty thousand dollars And as you get bigger, as you just pointed out, right. to get back More. to this Wendell Berry thing, mm-hmm. you have to, if you get a tractor like that, then you have to rebuild your gates and your right. cattle walk. Everything. Everything. So then you've got this combine here, right? So wow. we
3: planted with the tractor, but you can't harvest with that tractor. you got to have this special piece of equipment here called a combine. And that header on the front of it, right, that 918, that comes off. And you could put a, that's a, that's a bean header there. Uh-huh. And you could get a corn header. Right? So that's the challenge there. And those are, you're talking fifteen, twenty thousand dollars just for a header. And hundreds of thousands of dollars for the, the combine. It's crazy. And then you think, oh, I want to go up there and start farming. <laughs> right. Yep. And, and how much capital do you have? And what is your credit score? Uh-huh. And, and how are you going to make payments? You know? It's uh I think it's a lot out there that the average consumer being a conscious consumer, you know, goes to the grocery and they see, you know, poultry chicken, let's say two ninety nine, three ninety nine for a chicken breast. Well that poultry grower, right, only gets ten to fifteen cent a pound for those birds. But it's the Purdue's and the Tysons they get all the other money in between. You know, so that's what we're seeing. No, we, don't go over and, there. She's you know, with um, the pandemic and COVID, where we're starting to see a bigger push towards local and regional food production as opposed to, you know, monopolies. Big conglomerates. Huh. So, I mean, even two hundred dollars for a load of gravel. Uh huh. You know, to maintain the road in the farm so you can get in and out when it's raining. Right maintenance and that's infrastructure you know if you don't have a road through your farm and it's raining and you can't get back here uh-huh. that's a problem so my job that's, my job is to pick up rocks uh-huh. so my, uh, father, my uh, father-in-law said rocks grow they do they do we uh-huh. grow rocks and uh, so I'm the rock farmer so what I do is I go around in the fields and there's big rocks the, the rocks will tear up the implements. Right. Yeah, our hay rakes, our combines, and everything <clears throat> forever damaged. So I get up all the big rocks and bring them and put them into the park.
2: And how do you get them up? By hand. Okay, was, that was the <laughs> only way I could think yeah, of. That's my job.
3: I, I do all the labor-intensive work. so. Well. And we did really good with hay this year, so we'll be able to feed their cows through the winter. This is your own hay. Good. Back there, there's a hay rake, so you got your Dismore, you got to rake it, and then you got to bail it. I mean, people, all of these are different pieces of equipment. Right. And so the farmer, you know, he has to hook it up, uh, change it out, you know. If it breaks down, he's got to fix it. You know, it's very
2: time-consuming and can be very expensive if you don't know what you're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then the contracts that make it so that you can't repair it. Right. Well, <laughs> right, yeah. yeah you, and then if you're down...
3: It right two or three weeks, you could have just lost your crop. You're right. And so for John Deere not to even have a conversation and act like, oh, well, you know, it's it's not an issue. See the deer? Uh-huh. We have lots of deer and bear here. And bear? Yep.
2: And these right here,
3: these are the flags from the North Carolina State uh, Soil Scientist. Uh-huh. So that's what they're doing. John planted these soybeans last week, and um, they flagged them, and they've collected soil samples. So everywhere you see a flag is where they've collected soil. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to come back, and they're going to spray an inoculant, right, as opposed to doing any roundup or herbicides or anything. See the rocks?
2: Mm -hmm. And
3: we'll be able to compare. So this is our control side. so we're into that teaching mode you know we don't want to give a person you know something we want to teach them Uh how to grow it how to use it you know how to better develop it because it takes all these bright minds right Uh yeah and they say my grandfather would say when you stop learning then it's time to die go home (laughs) Uh, you go to heaven once you have nothing else to learn (laughs) so i always try to learn something because i'm not ready to go yet
2: Right. What is that? If you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room? Yeah.
3: John Boyd's usually going home. Okay. <laughs> he said as a child, um, growing up, he, uh, witnessed a friend getting struck by lightning. Oh. And so, yeah, it just, That's it's been one of those things.
2: Uh-oh.
3: So, this right here, um, it was known as, I guess it was Harditch Pond. Uh-huh. and It became known as Harditch Lake. Um, L.B. was the gentleman who owned the farm prior to us. Uh-huh. And it just really makes no sense what Dominion did here uh, because they actually moved the property boundary. So, the um, conservation easement starts like right
2: there's a flag
3: right here with the three three lines. Uh Okay. And the old property boundary was about maybe 30 40 feet that way and Mr. Hardage put in this dike right Mm -hmm. so that he could get down here to his low grounds well Dominion Energy condemns all of this property and moves the property line over to that line Mm -hmm. but now it's on the other side of the dike and the man can't even get to his low grounds gave it to the neighbor. Does that even make sense? Why would you move the property? And this gentleman has no reason to come beyond here because he can't get any farther because now he's on private property. (laughs) And the person that's using it is required to maintain it. So even though technically it's not in our conservation easement, we have to maintain it because it's our pathway to get to the other part of our farm or we're landlocked. So you think, you know, these companies, this is, you know, they just,
2: it's all by intention and design. You know, I I think it's ignorance and not paying attention, some of it. I think it was wonderful, and they called themselves being
3: brilliant and kind of sometimes intelligent. The gentleman was fighting back. He didn't want to lose his farm, Uh right? So he has it in a deed of conservation. So the only way that they can get back at him, you know, is to change the line and now make it inconvenient for him. Okay. Okay. Now, now that makes more
2: sense, because I really do think a lot of this stuff happens randomly. Yeah.
3: No, no, no. Here's his fence line. I'm going to show it to you. Uh The original property line. So... Uh can see it a little bit better up here. Um, There's a fence coming through here. And there's even a gate, which is, you know, you're seeing. Oh, I saw a fence post. Yeah, see the fence post right here, the Uh fence coming down right here. Yeah. So now, that was the original property line, right? But now, Dominion moved it over here. Does that even, that makes absolutely no sense.
2: Do you know what that plant is?
3: No. I don't. I'm not very good at a lot of the, the plants. uh uh-huh. That's okay. So, yeah. So But when we bought the property, we were told that that was the property line. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And then come to find out, we get it surveyed, and it's not. This is the property line. But they can't keep us from coming back here. But it would have been nice to have known that when you were selling me the property. uh uh-huh. So now this is the property line here where that was it before, and the fence was there. So it's like, okay, you know, how many battles can
2: you fight?
3: So you kind of sometimes pick and choose.
2: Yeah. We do have to pick our battles.
3: And, and look at the difference in this soil. This is so much better than the red clay and the rocks, right? Yeah. But but they condemn this.
2: So it looks like you're going to farm it, though.
3: Oh, yeah, we do farm it. Oh, okay. It. We, have, we have an easement, but we technically don't own it. It belongs to Dominion Power. Oh, see, the easement through my place, I own the land, and they have the right to do anything now, they want. Now, This is a conservation easement. They own it, and we have lifetime rights to it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, uh, so, and this is the lake. So it goes all the way down to the interstate. So we can only use it for agriculture and recreation. We can never build a house on it or do anything of any significant value. uh mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to show you the difference, and you know, from here in the way that farmers are subjected, and you know, their land. Every every field is important. Yeah. You know, every every bit, like, every inch, you know, everywhere that we can put a crop, then we try to put a crop. Right. Do you have? You must have some
2: full-time employees. No. Oh, come there, on. Yeah.
3: That's. Uh, we have a couple of volunteers that come out uh, on occasion. And that's the thing is, you know, with mechanized uh, farming and agriculture, you're in the tractor, you don't need a lot of people, you know? If you get more people, you got to get more equipment because uh-huh. only one person can drive the tractor at a time. Okay. So why would you need 10 more people, you know? And with the planter, so it's not like tobacco where, you know, we're setting plants out by hand and everything has become such an, an, we're so industrialized Mm -hmm. that, you know, the more equipment, the bigger the operation, the more mechanized it becomes. So even with this, I mean, I I have my greenhouse, I have things that I do, you know, more so on the vegetable and the other production side of things, but row cropping is, um, you know, that's how you can have farmers out in Iowa and different places farming 5,000 acres, Right. you know, because you don't need a lot of people to do it, but it takes money, it takes capital, and that's yeah. the one thing that we're missing, and you know, you talked about the uh, the G.I.B.O. and veterans and not being able to come home and buy a home and everything, and the statistics are that only 3 percent of mortgages in the United States, last year before last, that would have been 2019, I believe it was, uh, went to African Americans, 3%, and at black-owned banks, it was only like 33%. So, a little, almost 60% of black, black, over 60% of mortgages at black-owned banks went to non-blacks. And you're like, you know, well, who's funding them? But they're not buying houses, and, you know, even when we look at the FICO, the credit scores, all this artificial intelligence, and we know that, you know, this system, it's it's just, it's not built, or it was built by, it wasn't, it was intentionally (laughs) biased for people Uh of color. I'm going to get us out of here safely. Yeah, we we got to do some work on this road. Every time it rains and we get those dips, and my job is to bring the rocks in.
2: Uh-huh.
3: So we started at that point. We'll get on back here. Yeah. Thank the Creator for the rain
2: because we needed it. Uh-huh. Yep. And I left my car windows open just to ensure (laughs) it. But it's not a windy Yeah, And carefully the trees. Oh, no, don't hurry, please. (laughs) You said hopefully what? Yeah.
3: And so, you know, hopefully with the trees in the shade. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, But this is very pristine. And that's what we wanted to do with our farm operation, is to be able to show the balance how you can, um, you know, farm and still work with nature as opposed to against nature and uh, improve the soil quality, the water quality, and our air quality. Um, because we've run all the things of that nature. That's what we want to make sure is that, you know, farmers are, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say it, but uh, one of the neighbor farmers uh, used uh, waste for their oh. fertilizer. And what the North Carolina soil scientists were telling me is that the toilet paper in there has those forever chemicals in it. So we've actually got soil samples to see, you know, um, how it compares to other uh, soils that don't have those type of uh, chemicals in it. Yeah, see all the red clay? Mm-hmm. Down there is all the good soils. had a chance to look around the farm and yeah you know just know that because we're right up from Okaneechee State Park and the Okaneechee Islands, so you know it's uh, amazing that there are burial grounds here and you know you can almost see you know why people would be here on this land next to the water, you know hunting fishing living yeah so I, I would love to have a living enactment or you know a, a Native American uh, encampment you know, to really demonstrate, you know, because I don't think Virginia really has a lot of that where you can come and actually see, you know, prehistoric or pre, um, you know, uh, pre Yeah. Yeah. So one of the students from NC State developed a, a forage forest plan for me. So that's another thing I'm going to put in here is a, um, a foraging forest where people can come and walk through and be able to you know forage. Food security is really important to me.
2: Uh-huh.
3: So I want to know that you know my grandkids and great grandkids and other people are able to eat off this land you know for generations. So I'm actually putting in a pecan orchard and Some uh, peaches. I got like 17 peach trees, and the blueberry bushes are in. And part of the learning process of that is we'll do the cuttings, do the propagation, as to you know how do we how do we grow them. Right. So yeah, it's not that you just go out just buy stuff. Yeah. You know, but how do we do it in a sustainable way that can be profitable as well? Sounds like Kara we just farm (laughs) like this this is the fun part he says my farm his farming pays the bills my farming uh leads to more conversations about well can we do this and can we do that can you come help me yeah but um uh, integrate the uh i have nigerian dwarf goats here we have turkeys Um, I have chickens at the other farm and our cattle. Uh And so once we repair the fencing here, um, then we'll be able to bring in the the larger livestock. But you know, that's one of the things with these programs and where there's been such a disadvantage with the white farmers getting all this money and assistance for decades. And they have that, they have that infrastructure. They have the perimeter fencing and they have the cross-sectional fencing um, and they have the uh, irrigation and the water. Uh, but small scale minority farmers don't have it because they didn't have the money and everything that they did, they had to pay out of pocket. So their operations tend to be uh, less mechanized and, and having that, that infrastructure, that fencing and stuff in place. So we want to see that. So next time you come, you know, hopefully we'll have some perimeter fencing up and we'll be able to see you know, the, where the cattle are coming in and raising things down and, you know, we're rotating them in
2: and out. It's profoundly, it's mind-boggling to think about how much work you two people can (laughs) do. (laughs) I mean, I see the equipment and I know that multiplies your your power many 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 times but you know just the, the timing and figuring out what to do and how to interview all these different facets of agriculture that you're practicing yeah yeah and, uh,
3: so that was one of the challenges when I put the high tone up here okay do I grow hemp in it or do I grow tomatoes and chili? right you know and i said well i've done tomatoes and chilies before and i have a business plan i can have someone i said but there's not a lot of people who are doing hemp or know how to do hemp in the greenhouse and vetting you know companies seed suppliers and buyers and looking at you know developing that um supply chain
2: as well as the marketplace so the rain is pouring down and the sun is shining <laughs> from about a uh 45 degree angle off the horizon, so I'm guessing, Kara, that somewhere there's a rainbow. And I think it would be that way. Yeah.
3: See. <laughs> so you have hemp in that high tunnel now? Uh, not yet. That's what we're going to put in there. Oh, I've got okay. the seeds, and uh, I need some chicken manure. That
2: shouldn't be too hard yet. Yeah. To
3: well, you know, we really don't have a lot of chicken houses in this area. Yeah. Because John used to be a poultry farmer. And he had a chicken house, and then he lost his egg contract because the, um, the company moved. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's one of those things. He was a, a tobacco farmer, and he got balled out. He did the chicken, and he lost his contract, and, you know, then we're doing soybeans. Then the price of soybeans dropped, and, you know, we had the China trade war, and, you know, now we're doing the hemp. And, you know, you just, farmers have to just kind of, you know, figure out, okay, well, what's the next thing? And every time you change like that, you got to buy new equipment. Right.
2: So, did you get uh, USDA money to build the high tunnel?
3: Yes, uh, I cost did. Share?
2: Yes, I did. I got the cost share.
3: It's supposed to be ninety percent. Of course, it wasn't ninety percent. They say it's up to ninety percent. So, actuality, uh, I probably got about fifty percent of the money back because they base it on the square footage. All
2: uh-huh. right. Let me just go close my car windows yeah. just because right we're here. <laughs> This has been an episode of Groundswell, a Sunday Garden production for Richmond Independent Radio and other community and low-power FM stations. You can listen in the archives at wrir.org or pick up a link as well as information about upcoming shows and this one at L-O-T-G Radio on Facebook. That's L-O-T-G, short for Lightly on the Ground. And I encourage you to keep in touch by visiting... L-O-T-G radio on Facebook and emailing me at sunny at W-R-I-R dot and if you want to know more about Kara Boyd's work point your search engine at Kara Brewer Boyd. There are a number of organizations that she is part of and she's an outspoken advocate for justice especially for American Indians and for black farmers.
0: That was Patricia Stansbury interviewing Kara Brewer Boyd of Let's Get Growing Farm in Boyton, Virginia, about the challenges faced by farmers of color. For Patricia's program, Groundswell, you'll find links to Groundswell and Patricia's other program, Lightly on the Ground, as well as the Facebook page of Let's Get Growing Farm on NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Thanks again to Patricia Stansbury for filling in while Mark Helps meet is on vacation. I'm Andrew Jansen, and we'll see you next week for Spirit
1: With every song, we will move this world along and our.